Hello, folks. This is your host, Tammy Tucky, and you are now listening to the Tierra Talk Show. We bring you rare interviews with the makers of Disney magic. Whether they be singers, actors, Imagineers, animators, they have all made their mark on the Disney name. Be sure to check out the show notes, other episodes, contests, our social media pages from Facebook to Twitter, and more on our official website at www.thetierratalkshow.com. All guest opinions are theirs and theirs alone and do not represent the opinions of the Tierra Talk Show or the host. The Tierra Talk Show is not associated with the Disney Company. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. And from all of us here at the Tierra Talk Show, have a hoop de doo day. I'm excited to welcome this week's Tierra Talk Show guest, actress and voiceover artist, Trish Batril to the show. Welcome, Trish. Thank you so much. I'm glad to have you on the show because we haven't had anybody who's worked on the American Adventure attraction before. So this is a first for our show, but very, very excited. Glad you're excited. It's a tiny little, tiny little bit that I did for Disney all those years ago, but I'm glad you dug me out. Well, it's been 35 years, which does not seem real at all to me, at least to me. I don't know about you. It's it's one of those attractions which just seems timeless every time I go and see it. And I love going to see it. And Susan B. Anthony is one of my favorite parts of the show. But right before we get into the American Adventure, I thought it would be interesting to talk about your background because you, you have a BA in theater arts from UCLA and you've been working as an instructor and in acting for a long time and also as an actress yourself so what kind of inspired you to become an actress you know when I was a kid um, my dad was really good about taking me to shows mostly musicals that came through San Diego where I grew up and um, I of course grew up way, way before you did I'm quite ancient and I would act those um those those plays and musicals out. My dad would get the you know the LPs and he'd put them in the high fidelity stereo and, and I would have that outlet and that was really the only outlet to come because I wanted to do what those kids on stage were doing uh, until I found um, an organization called San Diego Junior Theater, which uh, I joined when I was about eleven or twelve years old, and, and it's still. It's one of the longest-running children's theater organizations in the country. It's grown a lot since I was there, but that really was sort of the foundation and inspiration for my wanting to pursue as an adult and into school. And and how did that lead to possibly a voiceover career? Because Susan B. Anthony, featured in The American Adventure, has a couple of lines, but she's played by an auto-animatronic, but you get to provide her voice. So how did you kind of you know, move that, move in that direction towards the voiceover acting industry? Well, it's interesting. I didn't have a, 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 well, you'll, you'll hear about that. I guess I shouldn't go into the future, but I, um, I decided to study up in Los Angeles and I went to to UCLA and I got got my BA uh, from there. You mentioned that. And after I completed my bachelor's, I would like to stay in Los Angeles. And so I applied for the master of fine arts program at UCLA and was accepted. So I spent another two years after I got my BA at UCLA, and it was during my, my last year in graduate school when I got the the little gig for Disney, and it was just kind of a serendipitous thing um, I wasn't necessarily looking for, but my voice teacher, um, her name is Meg Wilbur, 
Uh, she's retired now. She was a consultant for Disney working on um, the American Adventure for them. And they were having trouble casting Susan B. Anthony. And she asked me if I wanted to audition. And I said, you know, of course I wanted to audition. Um, and they wanted a demo tape. Well, I was in graduate school. I barely had a resume. And so that night I got my little cassette player out. I Jabberwocky, which was Brilligan the Slithy Tove poem. And I separated it into all different voices and read it on the tape recorder and gave her the cassette the next day and said, you know, see if they like this. I'm sure it was like super homemade homeschool land, but um, that's what I did. And I got the job. And now we're going to switch from Skype to phone only because the communication was just a little bit off on the Wi-Fi for both of us. So that just sounded amazing to be able to audition for an attraction like that with the circumstances around it and there's only a few lines by Susan B. Anthony and I was really curious Uh to know that if they gave you more material to work with beforehand before trimming the show because they were trying to fit a lot of time about 200 years into a 28 minute show so I can only assume they had more for you to work with at the time. Actually no that was the speech that was in the script and um, I had gotten that um, a, a couple of days before, so I, you know, knew it well. They also, I also did some other, um, some other parts in the show, just like like one-liners and stuff, like you know, villager women and things like that. But the Susan B. Anthony thing, it was just very strict. It was from one of her speeches, and that's boom, n- nothing. When I got there to Disney, uh, they in the studio, they showed me uh, like a, a small version of what it was going to be and, um, you know, where my character would pop up out of the out of the podium. But other than that, um, I just got the got the script. I was on my own. It was interesting to see that they had a lot of research going into this project. I didn't know for sure if they kind of took some items from the archives that they found on Susan and presented them to you so you could kind of figure out what type of voice, you know, Susan had. I don't know, were there any audio recordings? I've never been able to see if there were any visuals or audio recordings of Susan before. No, there there are some photos of her, and I think there might be one uh, moving sort of uh, old, old moving picture of her. But I, what I ended up doing was because she was from the East Coast, and I was, um, and still am. I, I love Catherine Hepburn. I decided that I would try to um, channel a young Catherine Hepburn with a more robust voice, and that's kind of that's kind of where I took that one. You know, the, and they worked with me for just a little while, but they were basically pretty happy with what I did. They they didn't have any problems with. Um, uh, you know, the, the timber of my voice, they, they just wanted a couple of things uh, changed with emphasis. It was, a, it, was a, it was such a fun day, and I remember, you know, it was kind of the first uh, big professional thing I had done, although I'd been exposed to some stuff and been working with some people. And I worked that afternoon at Disney for maybe two hours, maybe two hours. And I remember just thinking, I've made it. I worked with the man who played Mark Twain. He was there um, that day. And I don't remember the engineer's names, 
but or the Imagineers names who were who were doing the uh, at the time it was like the state of the art of the world sound studio. And they were able to also show me how they were going to manipulate my voice to make it sound like it was in, you know, a big hall. And, you know, that was really cool. And it was really sort of, you know, beyond its time. It was like walking into the future. Have you seen it in in person before? I've never seen it in person. It's an interesting version of history. You know, you wonder if they were to do it again today, if, if anything would change. But I've watched the whole thing. You can see it online. Mm-hmm. And... um it's 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 quite an ambitious project for that time, considering where technology was and how far it's come. Um, my Susan B. Anthony background is a is usually a good little bit of information that people don't know and trivia things, you know, when you get to know people. So. And you're a teacher, you know, so what do you what do you tell your students? What do they what do they do when you tell them about that bit of trivia? Oh, so they think it's pretty cool. And you know, usually when they go down to Florida to go to Disneyland, they often will, you know, go in, go in, see it, listen to it. And and one of your, your other occupations that you have is a, is a script analysis in the film industry. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I, I love talking to people about scripts because that is the core of a film and you really need to get it Definitely. right to get the film A-OK Definitely. and the audience is loving it. So how did you kind of get introduced to this aspect of the industry? Well, that again was, you know, it's sort of all who you know sometimes. And I had decided that um, I was kind of done with acting. I'd done some radio stuff, but I hadn't done a lot of voiceover. I'd done it a little bit. And I'd been doing some, I'd done some summer stock and some local stuff. And then I had decided, you know, I'm I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to go on to the other side. So I talked to some friends of mine and at um, Fox, 20th Century Fox, Susan Cartsonis, who is now a, a producer. The last big thing she produced was Beastly. Um, she gave me a script and asked me, you know, gave me the format and said, you want to try doing this? And I said, sure, I'll try it. So I went and did it. And she said, it's great, blah, 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 blah. Now you know how to do this. Let's give our friend Pat a call because at the time they weren't taking union um, readers. So I had another friend, Pat, who was working at Orion. Anyway, she got me a great little gig there, and I I read scripts for a couple of years and then decided, you know, I really didn't want to do that either because I could see the kind of life I was going to lead with, you know, 20-hour days, and I wasn't there. So I went on to something else. I kind of bounced around a little bit in my 20s. And you've been doing so much since The American Adventure. So why don't you talk about some of the other things besides being a teacher and a script analysis that you've worked on and, and what you're working on now? Well, I spent most of my sort of grown-up life being a teacher and retired from that a couple of years ago. In the midst of all that, uh, you know, I was doing, obviously, productions with kids. So that sort of kept my um, my my theater love alive and I was involved in that so I decided I wanted to do some other stuff and I've left and learned how to do a few things in the last couple of years um as one does when they've retired I play ukulele and I drive a scooter and I learned how to do um, taiko drums and stuff like that but I have now gone back to work for the school district uh as a coach for teachers so I'm doing that now I work with kids and from time to time and go to the theater when I can. And I'm not really doing any theater. I'm not really doing any projects right now. I've thought about writing, but uh, that hasn't happened yet. So we shall see. 
I wouldn't be surprised if you wrote a one-woman show about Susan B. Anthony. I would totally be up for something oh, like that. <laughs> well, go. she's such a fascinating person. Down. I'm so yeah. surprised not a lot of people do any like TV or films on her. Well, you know, she—I don't know that she was as she, she wasn't a sexy broad. You know what I'm saying? And so they have to get the. I'm, I'm being a little facetious, but her life was, you know, very sort of just straightforward, almost militant when she was beaten and stuff. But I, you do wonder why hasn't anybody made any sort of biopic about, about her when uh, every time there's a presidential election and people get the I voted stickers, they cover her gravestone with them. So the women do, which is an awesome tribute. The arts, I think, are one of the most important kind of uh, components that you can have in any education Taking the arts out of education means taking, you know, kids out of classes that promote unbelievably strong social skills and teamwork and problem solving, creative thinking, comment on society. I mean, everything you can possibly think of um, that education educates about, the arts also does and can and makes that education even stronger. I was really lucky that I worked at a performing arts magnet school. And although the funding would um, kind of go up and down over the years, there was a very strong fam uh, parent base uh, that supported the theater department. So, so that was a, that was a really good thing because that, that kept that theater department strong and not struggling. But I went to another school for a few years and started a little theater program and, we it was self-funded through our little box office but it's pretty hard to keep that going year after year after year when you know you don't have the kind of support that you need from the outside or any special funding for that so um when they start taking arts out of out of education you're also really slamming a whole population of kids who need that kind of thing in order to learn how to think the way they're going to need to critically think later and, you know, math is important, I know, and science is important, and English and all those things are, you know, terribly important. But um, getting people to work together and be in the world together and learn how to communicate, uh, they don't teach those in those other classes. So the arts, the arts do. So that's, that's my spiel for the arts. Well, to end our interview, I always ask my guests the Fab Three questions, which are the Donald, right. Goofy, and Mickey questions. So we'll okay. start with the we'll start with the Donald one, which is: as a child, what Disney film was one of your favorites to see in the movie theater? Bambi. In fact, that was the first Disney film I saw in a theater. And our Goofy question: what Disney character do you think would be your best friend if you met them in person? I'm gonna say Pocahontas. I'm I'm with that Colors of the Wind thing. I'm I'm all over that. She and I would go hiking. And our Mickey question: If I asked you to name any Disney song at this very moment, what immediately comes to mind? I'm wishing for the one I love to find me today. Today. You know that one? <laughs> well, I can't I can't thank you enough for being on the show, Trish. It was it was great to finally get in touch with you and to commemorate yeah. the uh, 35 years of the American adventure. So here's to another 35 years, and I really hope you get to see it in person soon because it's such a, a moving show. It's, it's an amazing show. Hey, listen, if I'm ever in uh, Orlando and I 
probably will be sometime. I will let you know and we'll go watch it together.